I'm really glad you're here. One day, a long time ago, I met a girl named Kim. Kim and I fell in love and had a baby. We loved having babies so much we kept making them. <laughs> we have five children. All but one are adults now. I remember the day Kim told me she thought she was pregnant for our first child. I ran to the nearest store and bought more than one pregnancy test came back home and she did what she had to do with them and all came back, yes, she's pregnant. And we confirmed it with the doctor and the ultrasound. But the day after the doctor, I freaked out. Where's the baby? Over the following days, I started worrying that the tests and the doctor were wrong. So I insisted we have sex daily, sometimes two to three times a day to make sure she's pregnant. <laughs> I would look at Kim and I didn't see any change in her belly. I didn't see a glow that everyone talks about. And she wasn't getting morning sickness. I didn't see any of the signs indicating she was pregnant. And I refused to start preparing for the birth until I did. I didn't see anything showing me she actually was pregnant other than the tests. I refused to shop for newborn diapers or onesies or bedding, no bottles, no pacifiers, no nothing. I didn't want to discuss baby names with Kim either. Why? I don't see a baby. It must not be happening. Well, I know, that's silly, right? It's a stupid little story, and certainly not true. Uh, well, we have five kids, but nothing after that point was true. But it's what I used to do so often when it came to changing my life through the intentional use of my imagination. I would fertilize the state I would imagine my wish fulfilled, a glorious scene implying my wish is already true. But the rest of my day and the days following that little imaginal act looked the same, so I started doubting myself. Let me try again, and again, and again. I found myself lying down in my super formal session getting immobilized and into that state akin to sleep, making a whole production of it, reimagining my wish fulfilled, and then go about my day without any regard for my thoughts and feelings, what I was thinking and feeling throughout the day. There would be several times a day, though, that I would react to what I was seeing and hearing and think, oh my God, that session didn't work. Then I'd start planning what I was going to do later that day. I'm going to fix it in my next session. The next time I can get into that state akin to sleep and I'll redo the whole thing. Maybe I should use a different scene this time. You know, maybe my breathing wasn't slow and steady enough. I didn't really understand that consciousness is the only reality not just when I'm trying to manifest something in a state akin to sleep, like my imagination was only a tool to pull out and use for those moments. My I amness cannot stop being, and I will always experience what I am being in my imagination, because imagination is what I am. 
not just in those formal sessions. Neville details this whole thing in his books and his very early transcribed talks from the early 1950s where he says to immobilize yourself and get into a state akin to sleep. If you read his later lectures or listen to them, you'll notice that he doesn't keep stressing the need to do that. He doesn't keep insisting you must immobilize yourself and get into that formal state akin to sleep. What he says more often than not is simply assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. What would the feeling be like if I were the man or woman I want to be? And he'd say, imagine a little scene that would naturally follow the fulfillment of that wish, something that implies the wish is fulfilled until it feels natural to you. But even then, he didn't insist that you had to imagine a little scene. You'll notice in his lectures, he offers up all kinds of different ways to do it. And then he says, use what fits your temperament. What is the most comfortable way for you to bring up that feeling of your wish fulfilled? The most comfortable is usually the easiest, at least for me, and the simplest. Picture consciousness as a river. It's always flowing, not only when you sit or lie down to imagine your wish fulfilled. Throughout my day, I get lost in thought all the time, automatically conjuring up images to go with those thoughts I'm having. We can't help but bring up images when we think of someone or something. I needed to start paying attention to the direction of the flow of my consciousness throughout my day. When I decided to start noticing, and that's all I did, I decided that I'm going to start noticing. I realized that many of my thoughts and reactions that seemed to have nothing to do with a particular wish actually did. Here's an example. I used to balk at my daughter's requests to go do things with her friends on weekends, and I'd come up with all kinds of reasons why she couldn't go, like you spend too much time away from home as is, or you need to stay and clean your room. One day I asked myself why. Why do I tell her no so often? It really had nothing to do with those seemingly very valid reasons, but everything to do with what I was still imagining about money, which turns out was the opposite of, of what I was imagining in my formal sessions. When I started paying attention to my thoughts, feelings, and reactions, my mental diet, I noticed many of them were still based on the old premise that money was hard to come by. When I chat with people about this type of thing, most have the whole state akin to sleep formal session thing down, or at least seem to, but they don't trust the imaginal act enough to just let it gestate. Let it come about. Trust it. I talk with them about coming up with a little scene or feeling that implies their wish is fulfilled. I try to help them find it on their own, actually. But what I talk about most often is mental diet. And as Neville says, practicing this art of imagining. When I ask them how else are they moving in imagination throughout the day, some admit they are not. Others tell me they are, but 
when I ask them for more details, it turns out they're still just focusing on the one or two big desires. I'm talking about building a relationship with yourself. If you had a friend that only talked to you about the same miserable thing every time you talked, how much fun is that relationship? How strong is that relationship? Think of a friend or a family member or coworker, someone you know that is so focused on how bad their relationship is or how broke they are or how ugly they are. When you think of them, you might think, gee, all, all they're focused on is their problem. So much so they can't see how beautiful they are. They can't see how marvelous they already are. They don't know their own potential. Well, do you not see how marvelous you are? How powerful you are? How much potential you have? You're limiting yourself if you think you can't enjoy the wonders of imagination until the one big desire is fulfilled. And you're limiting yourself by assuming that you're not doing this right. You're assuming that you didn't plant the seed properly the first time you imagined the wish fulfilled. So you're running around stressing out, trying to redo it daily and not exploring who you really are. I began to understand that about myself through daily practice. For any desire, for myself and for others, regardless of how silly or small they seemed, I just did it daily. And I still do. I don't think this is something you do and never have to give it another thought. I do it daily, moving in imagination for things, for myself and for others, and for the sheer joy of doing it, exploring this limitlessness of who we are. And I pay attention to what I'm feeding on daily. What am I feeding my imagination? Am I feeding it thoughts and feelings of self-pity? Poverty, ugliness, unworthiness? Am I reacting based on the old state of lack, of love, of money, of happiness? One thing I stopped doing is making what some call a formal session a big deal. I used to make such a production of it. If I were to narrate it in the third person, here's what I used to do. <laughs> <clears throat> Michael has been planning this formal session since mere moments after his morning session. All day he's been trying to decide whether to redo the earlier session with the same scene or come up with a new one altogether. Michael tells Kim and the kids to give him some space and some alone time as he walks up the stairs to his bedroom, where he'll turn off the lights and select some brown noise off of YouTube to listen to as he gets into his state akin to sleep. Now that Michael is sufficiently immobilized, he begins his session. <laughs> oh, I would get so bent out of shape when I was disturbed during those few minutes or, shoot, sometimes half an hour or even an hour. And at night, I would try it as I went to sleep, and I, I'd wake up frantic in the middle of the night, realizing that I fell asleep during my scene. Oh my gosh. If I had been practicing the art of imagining and noticing my mental diet and doing something about it as I noticed it daily, then sliding into a lovely state as I drift off to sleep would have been much smoother and more fun. When I realized how much effort I was putting into those sessions, I stopped. 
gave them up completely, cold turkey. I'm not saying I stopped imagining my wish fulfilled, nor did I stop practicing this art of imagining. I stopped putting so much importance on the process. For me, even thinking of it as a formal session automatically made it a big deal. Instead of waiting for those sessions, I started accepting my wish fulfilled as soon as I noticed it. I wasn't perfect back then, and I'm certainly not perfect now. I still let some things slide, but I catch it more quickly. And I laugh at myself, oh yeah, twisty man, what are you waiting for? <laughs> A few years ago, when I got out of the wheelchair for the last time, it wasn't after one of those formal sessions. I didn't even know about those things yet. I had only just started listening to and reading Neville. The whole thing came up while I was lying on the bed, thinking about a conversation I'd had with my daughter and my wife earlier in the week. We were talking about how we wanted to travel to and live in the mountains. And while I was thinking about that conversation, an inner voice spoke up. It said, how are you going to do any of that in a wheelchair? And I replied, you're right. And it said, I guess it's time for dystonia to go. And then I replied, okay. And right then I imagined a little scene. It came up naturally because I was thinking of being healed. I was accepting the fact that I was healed and this little scene popped up automatically. Me in the kitchen next to Kim, looking at Kim from a point of view that implied I was standing upright without a wheelchair and not hunched over on my crutches. It wasn't the scene that did it. It was my belief that it was done. And in most of the stories I tell you on these podcast episodes, you will hear me tell you that I imagined it. Whatever the it is in that particular story, right where I was. Not, I recognized the desire and I waited until I could get immobilized and regulate my breathing and get into a state akin to sleep. I'm thinking and feeling all the time. So why not redirect the flow of my consciousness right then and there? rather than wait for later, while my thoughts and feelings run wild in the interim. When I have a desire and feel the feeling of its fulfillment already true, I've planted the seed. The desire is already fulfilled, even if I cannot see it immediately. When I assumed I was healed, I still had to scoot over to the side of the bed and roll into my wheelchair. I was still incontinent and my body was still twitchy and twisty, but I knew it was done. If someone were to have asked me back then, how did I know, I wouldn't have been able to say other than, I just know. Six days later, I was done in the physical world. No more need for the crutches or the wheelchair, no more symptoms whatsoever. Now after that big start, <laughs> I would love to tell you that it's always so effortless for me but it isn't. As long as I'm here, in this dream of humanity, I'll still need to be aware of my thoughts and feelings and still notice when I'm putting in too much effort. But I can tell you, the more you play and learn to trust yourself, the easier it gets to notice and move back into the state of your wish fulfilled. My grandmother used to tell me, when I was bragging about how smart I was in school, that 
Wisdom isn't knowing everything, Michael. It's knowing where to look for the answers. <sighs> she might have been quoting someone else back then, but I'm giving Gaga, as we called her, the credit on this one. I still might get lost along a dark current of thought, but now I know where to go for the light. It's within me and within you. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.